Pastor Michael Heinzelmeyer and Dr. David Warman on Save Your Practice, where we have brought in industry leaders to interview to give you tools and action steps to make yourself and your business thrive. The most successful doctors run legitimate, ethical, honest practice authentically. A lot of those people were still building a lifestyle, not necessarily a life. The same thing that got you into the problem 99.9% of the time won't get you out of the problem. So welcome to Save Your Practice, where we have brought industry leaders in our profession and other professions to give you tools and action steps to make yourself and your business thrive in these uncertain times. Uh, I'm Dr. David Warman. I'm Dr. Michael Heinzelmeyer. And today's guest is Dr. Gilles Lamarche, the legend. We have him with us. He's a leader, an educator, lead seminar speaker. He was a chiropractor for 25 years, very successful in Canada, and in 2013 actually joined Life University. He is now the leader of Life Vision Seminars, Life University Assembly, the talks with World Congress, Life Roma, and even Life Force 1000. So there's a handful of stuff going on in there. He is truly one of our treasures in our profession, and we are honored to have him on board here. Now, I know I've said a lot about you right now, Jill, but is there anything else that you want people to know about you that they should know, our audience? Well, you know, one thing I get asked all the time is, how is it that after 40, I mean, 41 years, I graduated chiropractic school next week. How is it that I'm as excited about chiropractic now as I was then? And I'll tell you, I tell people all the time, is because number one, you know, I'm alive because of chiropractic. Um, my, my son got his vision back because of chiropractic. I've seen thousands and thousands of people get well with chiropractic. And a lot of that can be seen by people as being anecdotal, and with whatever's being, you know, talked about in the media, et cetera, with chiropractic, especially in Canada currently, you know, there's no science. And I would tell you, you know, you could take two letters, one starts, one's a B and one's at the end of the alphabet, and say <laughs> there's plenty of science. There's probably not enough science based on the evidence that they're looking for. Right. But if you look at Sackett's levels of evidence as it relates to um, the experience of the chiropractor, the experience of the patient getting well into chiropractic, there is plenty of evidence to show that chiropractic has the greatest benefit, in my opinion, to human health of anything that I've ever seen anywhere in the world in my 65 years on the planet. And not that long ago, I had a conversation with a medical doctor who called me, and I didn't know him before he called me, and he said, I've discovered in my 40 years of practice that all my patients who are under chiropractic care are all healthier than the ones that are not. And he said, I thought, ah, it's probably just a fluke. He said, so I continued researching that, trying to figure out how is it that these patients are so much better? They take less drugs. They, never, they don't complain as much. They don't come and see me very often. And he said, I just want to know what it was. He said, so I discovered, so what I want to do during my retirement years is to help people understand, to help society understand that chiropractic should not be an option. It should be a necessity for everyone. Well, I'm a chiropractor. This guy's an MD and, and he's telling me this. I'm on the phone. I got my headset on in my office here at Life. And I was like, okay, well, tell me more. And he went on to tell me that he had discovered in the research that he was doing is that aortic stiffness is a predictor for early onset dementia and other neurocognitive diseases. And he says, and the predictor for aortic stiffness is stiffness 
of the server of the thoracic spine. Wow. He said when people develop a forward head posture, as they start to round, we start understanding that people aren't this way because they're getting old. They're old because they got that way. <laughs> Absolutely. And I was like dumbfounded. So I kept listening to him and I ended up flying to Toronto. I was going there for a meeting anyway, and I went and spent some time with this guy. His name is Dr. Jess Goodman, phenomenal guy. And I said to him, Jess, you've discovered all this. So who's your chiropractor? He said, uh, I don't have a chiropractor. I said, interesting. So he, he developed this apparatus that actually measures through an algorithm, measures the aortic stiffness. And aortic stiffness, they've created an algorithm that they relate aortic stiffness to biological age. So he puts me into his little iPad system and I give him my biological age, uh -huh. uh, which my chronological age rather, which is 64 at the time, I'm 65 now, but 64 at the time, uh, last spring. And he tests me and he was like, oh my gosh. I said, what? He said, your chronological age is 64. He says, your biological age is 45. How's that possible? You know, what are you doing? So well, number one, I've been, you know, checked and adjusted as necessary for 50 years. And he, I said, number two, um, I make sure that I stand most of my day. I don't sit at a desk. I don't develop forward head posture. And I said, and a few times a week, I actually lay on what's called a health bridge. And I go into extension to make sure that I keep my spine in full extension. So he goes, he ends up buying this, uh, this board called, uh, I'm trying to think what he was even called, a health bridge. Manufacturing Canada, by the way, I think in Nova Scotia. So he buys himself a health bridge. And a month later, he said, Jill, because he's 65 and his biological age was 67. In doing just extension exercises for 30 days, his biological age dropped by five years to 62. That's awesome. And then I, I had referred him to a chiropractor, of course. And now he's seeing the chiropractor and his biological age is starting to go down even further. So that's why I said, I'm as excited about being a chiropractor. I mean, I don't know if you guys know my story, but you know, I was diagnosed in 2003 with primary pulmonary hypertension. I had cardiomegaly measured at 2.5. I was told I'd be dead in two years. I have none of that stuff in my body. 100% normalized. And I guess the message I wanna share with chiropractors is always a message of hope because a question that I like to ask them is, are you under regular chiropractic care? Every chiropractor is going to say yes. So let me tell you, let me redefine for you what I mean by regular chiropractic care. And I said, so those, everybody had their hands up. I said, now, how many of you make an appointment with your chiropractor on a regular basis, the same chiropractor who took a history, did a thorough examination, which include whatever he or she does, does a, did a report of findings, does reevaluations, and charts your progress. Boom, all the hands go down. That was me. I thought I was under regular chiropractic care. I always got adjusted by a buddy. If I was going having lunch with David, I'd say, hey, after lunch, I'd, dude, you wanna to go to your office? You wanna to come to mine? Let's check each other out. And we'd check each other's spine and we'd adjust each other if it was necessary. That's the kind of care I was under. And I was dying. I was dying. I knew I was dying. I knew that it, That's I a pandemic in our profession. Exactly, it is. So I couldn't breathe anymore. So I retired on the 4th of April in 2004. You know, less than 12 months after I'd been diagnosed, 
and I could tell I was just getting worse and worse and worse and worse. And I was still getting adjusted every once in a while, every week or two with a buddy, whoever I was having lunch with. And then on the 15th of May, 31 days later, I woke up and I was like, dude, you're an idiot. You've been preaching the chiropractic paradigm of health and healing for all these years. There's gotta be something seriously wrong with your spine and nervous system. And my second thought was, how could there be? I get checked by a chiropractor every week or two. And then the third thought, I call that a BJ thought flash, hit me smack in the middle of my brain. It was like, you are an idiot. You don't have, you've never, you have not been checked and adjusted by the same chiropractor forever. Since I left for, for undergrad, I had not been a practice member in any practice. But I got checked by a chiropractor. Nobody had followed my progress. No, nobody had fully understood the function of my spine and my nervous system. And when all that noise died down in my head, I was like, reached over. I'm still in bed. Reached over, called my former office manager, made an appointment, went in as a new patient. And see, that there's a difference to me between a patient and a practice member. Mm-hmm. Practice member is somebody that chooses lifetime care. So anyway, the long and the short is that that's why I'm excited about chiropractic, right? I got my life back. My cardiomegaly was gone within two years. My pulmonary pressure, you know, resolved and normalized within less than 12 months. And so I tell the chiropractors listening in, what message are you teaching your people? What message are you teaching your people now during these times? If you're in a province or in a state where your office is closed, are you staying connected with your people? It's not that difficult with, the, with what we've got in this day and age to stay connected with people. I spoke with a couple of young chiropractors recently. I said, dude, get on, get on Facebook live for five minutes every single day at the same time. Communicate that to your patient base. Tell them at 10 a.m., Monday to Friday or Monday to Saturday, whatever you want, I'm going to be doing a Facebook live. I'm going to give you three to five minutes of tips of what you can be doing at home to stay healthy. Why, do I, why would I want to do that if I was in practice? Because I would want to stay connected with my tribe. Because I believe that those who disconnect, when this is over, and it will end, when this is over, you're going to have to work your butt off to get your practice going again. Those who stay connected with their tribe, the minute you open your door and you let them know, you're not going to know when to stop because you're gonna have hundreds of patients who all wanna come in and get checked and adjusted if necessary the first day that you open up. In Georgia, you can be open. My wife's a chiropractor, she's still open. This morning during breakfast, she said, I'm gonna see as many people this week as I saw four weeks ago. Why? Because of the education. So here's a wake up call. If you have not been educating your practice members on the value of chiropractic care, and you have more of a trauma-based practice, if my back don't hurt, I don't go get adjusted, I would urge you to figure out what you're gonna be teaching your tribe now that you have not yet, and what are you gonna continue to teach once you get back into active practice? I've talked to hundreds of chiropractors in the last six weeks. The ones whose volume has dropped just a little bit because they're not being forced to close, 10, 15, 25, maybe 30% even, are the ones who have been teaching the big idea of chiropractic. That the body is self-developing, self-maintaining, self-healing, providers no interference, and that they teach that to their practice members and the practice members get it. And they choose lifetime care and they're in on a regular basis. 
those products have dropped anywhere from 15 to 30%, I would say. At the high end, those who have done a great job and who do like a regular weekly or biweekly class, who do proper table talk, who are really communicators for access, their practices drop 10, 15%. And I talked to Dr. Stu Bernson even, you know, from Carowan Wellness Centers, and he talked about the difference between their practices where the docs are doing a really good job educating and those who are doing not so good a job. But the practices that were focused mostly on back pain, neck pain, and uh, maybe personal injury, those practices are down 50, 60, 70, 80% or more, or are completely closed because they just can't turn the lights on. That, my friends, that breaks my freaking heart to think that a chiropractor is going to have difficulty making a living or is going to have difficulty bouncing back or the potentials that some offices might end up closing because they didn't have, no pun intended, but they didn't have the backbone financially to survive a crisis. I mean, they say that most families in America have maybe a two-week cushion. Darn, if that's all that our colleagues have, you know, they're in trouble and I feel for them and I, I want to try to figure out a way to help them. So I'm, that's why I accepted your invitation yesterday, I guess, right? I got invited yesterday. I was like, yeah, let's make some time to do this. So I guess the, 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 not the tactic, but what I would suggest first and foremost is figure out a way that you want to be connected. And I understand if you've never done a Facebook Live, you, you might be a little bit afraid. Dude, I'm not of your generation, most of you young chiropractors. I'm 65 and I'm Zooming all day long. And I was afraid, but I asked for help. I had somebody teach me how to do Zoom. And as soon as I learned, literally he sat beside me right here. Two weeks ago, tomorrow, two weeks ago, Friday, he sat beside me and I started a podcast called Today's Conversation on Leadership. And I want to have you know some interviews in the can. So I'm putting them together and we're gonna launch them the first week of May on leadership. But he sat here because he understood it and he helped me through the first three interviews. The minute I was done the third interview, I was like, here, you can go home. I know exactly how to do this now. And so I understand that a lot of you are fearful and you can look at fear in different ways. You could look, let the fear just capture, capture you and drag you down and you're gonna buy into fear. The minute you buy into fear, you go into sympathetic tone. The minute you go into sympathetic tone, your healing ability starts to drop. Your stress hormone starts to rise and you are positioning yourself to get sick and guess what? So are your practice members if they're in fear. Our job as healthcare leaders is to alleviate the fear and teach people how to get into parasympathetic. And so I, you know, like most of you, you probably heard the acronym fear many years ago that they were saying false evidence appearing real. I get that. Once you overcome a fear, you look back and you go, why was I fearful of that? It was pretty easy. But then I've coined another acronym for fear, which is face everything and rise. Face everything and rise. And so I would urge all of you to teach your people, teach your tribe, the difference between sympathetic tone and parasympathetic tone. What happens when you're in sympathetic is this. Is that where you'd like to be? And people go, no, of course not. Well, let's talk about what happens in parasympathetic. You heal, you sleep, you're more creative, greater ability to digest, greater ability to, to capture everything that's necessary for you to build healthy cells. 
and start teaching that. And watch what happens. Not only will they come to your Facebook Lives every day, they're going to start inviting their friends to come to your Facebook Lives, their family members to come to your Facebook Lives, or whatever meeting you choose to use. And when you're ready to open your doors, you're going to be swamped with new people because you gave from your heart. Instead of living in fear, you chose to live with facts. I'm not telling you to tell anybody that something that your boards don't want you to tell them. There is no evidence to show that a chiropractic adjustment will avoid you from getting COVID-19. We know that. That's factual. Don't talk about that stuff. Do we know anecdotally that chiropractic care enhances immune, immune function? Sure we do. Are there some studies out there that show that? Yes, we do. We're being told not to talk about it because the assumption out there is going to be if you say that chiropractic enhances immune function is that you're telling people that you can prevent them from having COVID-19. So let's forget about that part. But what can we do? What can you do individually? What can we do collectively as a profession to get people to understand that the nervous system controls everything in their body? And if they allow themselves to get steeped in fear and stay in fear, they're in sympathetic. They are preparing themselves to get sick. And many of them have been doing that for decades already. So this is awesome. I'm, I'm loving this conversation. This goes back to the roots of like Fred Barge when I was in school talking about some of the philosophy stuff. It's, this is great. This is exactly what our profession needs to hear right now. Absolutely. So what I'm getting out of this is this is actually an opportunity to grow your practice to a higher level than it ever has been before because you actually have time to educate and empower people through philosophy, education, and change their mindset on fear, health, sympathetic, parasympathetic, where they don't really have the time nowadays to do that in their practice because a lot of them are so busy or they're very pain-based models. So now they can actually shift course correct and when they come out of this, they can grow faster and bigger than ever before. This is the largest opportunity that we as chiropractors have been given in the past 100 years. And Point most point. people see this as a retraction when this can actually be an explosion. Of course, because temporarily you've got to retract. I mean, my son's a chiropractor in the Chicago area, you know, and he's got a good practice, but yeah, his practice dropped too. You know, I mean, I know I've talked to, like I said, I've talked to hundreds of chiropractors, I've probably at least 200 in the past five to six weeks. And I get it. And I've done a lot of these, these interactions with people, some with small groups, some in private groups, just to help people understand, dude, get your, get your head out of your anus and you know, move yourself away from fear into hope, into possibility. Because I learned from my mentor, Dr. Jim Parker, that the greatest thing that you could give a patient when they come into your practice is to give them hope. So why are we not giving them hope? Not false hope. Let's just share facts, right? There's so much good science that you could be sharing around chiropractic right now, even as it relates to low back pain, if you want. I did an interview. Actually, I did a, well, I guess it was a form of interview, but James Chestnut is going to be our, our quarter week four assembly speaker, and we have to do it virtual. So. I did an interview with James yesterday, and we talked about all the evidence that's available to show that the, by far the best interaction, the best intervention for people with back pain is a chiropractic adjustment. And there's 
thousands of data points and evidence. It's all out there. So share some evidence, you know, share an article of the week, share an article, you know, of the day, but the information's out there. You can find it. It's available and be a beacon of hope for your entire community. You have the opportunity to do that right now. I love, I love it. If you don't dig your head in the sand. Yeah. Your attitude and how you're coming at this is so great. You know, there's, there is so many people living in that fear and I see, I see you being so positive here. So what are some anchors that you use when you find yourself kind of going into that mindset that maybe is not as, as positive? What do you do to bring yourself back to this level you're at right now? So my number one anchor, I was sticking my hand in my pocket. My number one anchor is this. It is a gratitude stone. Okay. It's a heart shaped gratitude stone. Yes. It's a metaphor. There's nothing magic about a gratitude stone, but where does gratitude live in sympathetic or parasympathetic? Yeah, of course. Parasympathetic. Parasympathetic, right? Yeah. Where does good music, where does relaxing music live? Parasympathetic or sympathetic? Parasympathetic. Do these little things. So the first words that I consciously input into my brain when I wake up in the morning is I greet this day with love in my heart, every person, every situation, every circumstance, because I choose to make my life sacred. And I repeat it until I actually feel it. So what happens is that, you know, you go to bed, some of you are going to bed, you're totally stressed out, you can't fall asleep, it takes an hour, or half an hour, 45, whatever it takes you to fall asleep. Well, guess what? You're in sympathetic. So what if, before you go to bed, you turn all the crap off? You turn the TV off, you turn the phone off, you turn your computer, you turn everything off. And you go somewhere in your home or outside, the weather's being nice, certainly where I live, and sit there in quiet and just take it all in. Take some nice, long, deep breaths and just listen. Look at the sky. Think of the stars. Look at the trees. Look at the flowers blooming. Look at the beauty of nature. The beauty of nature hasn't stopped because of COVID-19. It's freaking everywhere. Most people don't even take the time to see it. So I purposely have a ritual to make sure that I'm in parasympathetic before I go to bed. And I go to bed with gratitude. And I tell myself when I awaken tomorrow, I will awaken with love in my heart. Every person, every situation, every circumstance. Because that's the last words that I consciously input into my brain before I fall asleep. And so I bring myself to parasympathetic. Um, I guess this is a, a plug. It's not a shameful plug, because a, a shameless plug, because I have nothing to do with it. But a while back, I bought uh, BrainTap. I don't know if you guys have heard of BrainTap, but you know, yep. the headset and the app and the, the yep. goggles, whatever. So I bought BrainTap, and I've been, you know, been doing BrainTap a couple times a day just to make sure that I stay in parasympathetic. Because, yeah, I'm, I'm an executive at Life University. And we, when we got hit with, you've got to close the school because the governor says, we all went like, wow. And so all of us, the executives, we started working. Some of them worked a lot more hours than I did, but everybody started just pitching in and pitching in and pitching in and trying to create a new normal around the education during this unprecedented time. And so I wanted to make sure that I kept myself really nice and calm. You know, I'm, I'm at my office today but I have no team members with me. I don't have one staff person in my office. They're all working from home. And so where I normally have things that I can hand off and get help with, and I'm sort of managing it all on my own, and I'm spending more hours here when I am here, 
I'm here like, I've been here three days this week. Um, and the other two days I'll work from home. So I work from home one day this week, I'll work from home again a little bit tomorrow, even though it's really an off day. But all of that said is that I consciously know that human nature, because of all the pieces, all the revolving plates, that human nature would bring me to sympathetic. That's human nature. We're all going to be pulled there. So if you don't consciously work at bringing yourself to parasympathetic, you're going to be in sympathetic tomorrow when you wake up. You're going to stay there all day long and be totally unconscious. And you're going to be there next week and two weeks and three weeks. And when your practice is said that you can open, you're still going to be in parasympathetic and you're going to be stressed through that entire period. And when you're stressed out, you don't see possibility. So creativity and possibility exists when you're in parasympathetic. I love this because a lot of people teach about having a morning ritual, like an hour of power or something like that, getting up and getting your routines in place, where I've you actually have morning. a good a bedtime ritual to keep yourself in parasympathetic, rest and repair, so you actually wake up with energy the next day to take on a day, be creative and pre-productive. I love this. This is great. Yeah, and let's like let's talk about you know going back into practice. How do you see? I mean, obviously, obviously the landscape has been altered permanently right now. Um, how do you see marketing for chiropractors changing on the other side of this? So, is it okay if I disagree with you just like a little bit in a loving way? Yeah, this would be great. <laughs> I don't think the landscape has changed permanently. Okay. Okay, so we can buy into that, but if we buy into that, we're buying into fear, right? During my lifetime. There's been SARS, there's been avian flu, there's been this, there's been that, there's been this, there's been that. I get it. And we could go down the rabbit hole of the possibility. You may be right, by the way, Michael, <laughs> but I don't want you to think that right now. I don't want you to think that the landscape changed permanently because chances are it's not. So my hopeful self, because I'm, you know, I'm the guy that always have a glass that's half full, like my glass is never half empty, it's always half full or fully full but I see the world that way. And what I discover in my life is that by thinking that way, and thank God for having a great mentor like Jim Parker, I owe pretty much a lot of my life to Jim Parker, but he allowed me to learn how to think this way. When you think that way, you attract more into your life. And quantum mechanics is showing us that. The quantum field is infinite. What's out there is infinite. When your practice reopens, there's an infinite number of new patients available to you if you become attractive to them. You've got to figure out a way to make yourself attractive. Walking around with your head down and your eyes looking on the ground and all depressed does not make you attractive. So for the men listening in, a woman that's walking that way, you're not attracted to her. For the woman listening in, the guy who's walking around like this, you're not attracted to him. You're attracted to guys like Michael and David who walk proud and who stand proud, who walk with a smile, who have an open heart. That's who we're attracted to. Well, you better become attractive to your community. And you can't become attractive if you live in sympathetic tone because that's where they are and they're looking for somebody to help them and they're not going to be attracted to you. If you know, you can say like minds attract each other. Not true. People are looking for hope you must become the beacon of hope. How are you going to market that? I totally understand. I totally agree with you on that. I think what he's meaning is like screening, like a lot of offices build a practice based on screenings, talks, actual so social gathering. Yeah. Well, for the first 
few months of this or what are you know how do you see yourself okay. creating that hope and that instead of being contact someone communicating close right at that junction is it going to be more online is it video based where would you see this going so number one be real genuine authentic and be visible be visible be visible wherever you can be visible if it's facebook if it's instagram if you want to do a webinar with your own peeps and encourage them to bring their friends to listen in if you want to buy a zoom account for what 129 bucks you can buy a zoom account and get 100 people to show up on a zoom meeting come on there's so many opportunities out there take time to write articles take time to write a book take time to do something and i know a lot of guys you know you're telling me or you're saying in your own head but i don't know where to get started right I, we didn't have that chat before we got on i did tell you that i was creating these <clears throat> these modules but what i did years ago is i wrote uh, I used to write an article for the paper like every single week. And so I have in my database, I don't know how many, but maybe 150 in one particular area of articles that I'd be happy to send your way. Yeah, they have to be modernized. I haven't been in practice for 15 years. So they have to be modernized a little bit, but it would give you ideas and things to talk about. Everything I talk about were health tips. So I got 100 plus short articles like usually you know i don't know a few hundred words that you could use and use on social media either you throw it out as a little article or you put it out doing a facebook live or you pre-record a few because you're you know if you're afraid to make a mistake on a facebook live pre-record it upload it to youtube and then boom dump it on facebook awesome anybody that's listening to just drop your email down below we'll make sure we get that out to you too because that's like that's a huge gift to the profession right there like that's awesome yeah i'm happy i'm happy to send it to you like i said they're they're documents or articles that were produced many years ago but the majority of them are still pertinent so right. I, I you know i'm not going to spend the time to edit them and make them perfect for you but it'll give you ideas and that way if you share the ideas with a lot of your tribe then they can, you know, they'll edit them the way they feel they want them. At least they start somewhere because a lot of people are frozen because they don't know where to start. And if we can give them a little push to get you started, then all of a sudden you're going to go, whoa, which is what happened to me, right? With, with the technology that we live in, right? I, I started doing Facebook lives with my staff. One of my staff was sitting right there beside me and she was doing everything, doing all this stuff and setting it all up. And I was recording it and I said, I'm the content expert. I'm the intellectual property. I get people to do everything else. And now with this, I don't have a team. I'm doing this completely on my own. I've been doing this. I've been at the office since six o'clock this morning. I've done nine interviews, eight of them, seven of them rather, where I was the host interviewing leaders. And I did it all by myself. Oh my gosh, what a concept, right? I took the time to learn. And I learned in about two hours. That's awesome. It's funny because I was just hearing like someone was asking like Stephen King, the writer, is like, how can you come up with so much content, so many good writings and read, you know, for for movies and things? He goes, you know what? It's two hundred crappy words a day. You just start, right? And then start. things start to fester. But you gotta start. If you, you if you're waiting to be inspired, it, you're gonna lose momentum. Just start, and then you get inspired because you've started. Yeah, absolutely. Like I'm totally inspired. I'm going to continue doing this as long as people want to listen to podcasts. I'm going to be a podcast host. I mean, I'm having so much fun. And 
you know, where I'm sitting right now, you can't see everything, but I literally have a full studio set up in my office that I ordered on Amazon three days before I started two Fridays ago. So about 18 days ago, I ordered this equipment, cost me about 200 bucks. I've got a green screen behind me. There I got some help because we have a marketing department and collaterals. So they produced a virtual green screen, a virtual screen for my green screen. But I've got three big lamps with, you know, those big umbrellas where you can go get pictures done. I've got, I've got a microphone that's sitting here. Well, I'll show you that one. You can see that. Take it into the screen. Whoops. There goes. Right, I got my microphone here sitting on, on this. And you'll be happy to know that what fell was this. Nice. Okay. Why? I wasn't thinking about telling you that. If you want to stay inspired, I suggest you do what I've done for the last 40 years. Five minutes every day, I grab a green book and I read a few pages. I'm not going to tell you that I've ever read a green book cover to cover because I have not. It would be a lie. I will tell you that I've read tens of thousands of pages in green books as I just grab one off the shelf because I got the whole collection. I grab it and I open it wherever I open it. And invariably, it's something I needed to learn that day. So if you're not feeling inspired of being a chiropractor, get a green book or pull out a green book. Some of you have never heard of a green book or the books that the Palmers wrote. I get that. But Google chiropractic green books. Some of them are, some of them are PDF online. Get whatever you can. You don't even have to spend any money right away if you don't have the money. But start feeding your brain and your soul what chiropractic is. Re learn, learn the major premise. Recite the major premise until you freaking own it. This is such a great message and so timely for our profession right now. Um, if, if people want to connect with you beyond this today, how, what is the best way to do that, Jill? Probably on Facebook. Um, I get hundreds of emails a day, but I'm really good at responding, as you all know. I mean, yeah, I reached out to you, so... David, you reached out. I probably answered uh, within a couple of hours. I don't know how quickly. Now, do you have any tools or systems that you have that some of our audience members could actually access or get so that they have some tools to work with? You know, when I, when I started, I used to have a Gilles Lamarche website. And when I started Life University, I was so busy that I let it all go. And um, the URL, and I forgot to pay, you know, GoDaddy. And so my URL died. And some other guy named Jules Lamarche is a mechanic in Quebec actually picked up the side. So if you go to JoesLamarche.com, it is not me anymore. It That's was, crazy. but it's not me anymore. So I, I don't have, I have nothing to sell. Um, I did tell you earlier that I took content. My wife has been bugging me for a long time to do something online. And she says, you know, you have so much content and you have so much value that you could help people like start at some type of online course. So yeah, 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 yeah. When I have time, when I have time, never had any time. And now what this has done for me is that doing my life university work, I'm just as busy. However, as part of my mandate here is I usually travel. So I travel one day a week, sometimes two days a week. So I've had no travel at all. All my travel, I was telling somebody today, I have so much money in e-credits and Delta right now, <laughs> that I had to cancel all these flights that my assistant had booked. And so I've had extra time. So I took some of the content that I had I wrote six modules on how to build a how to build and maintain 
a patient-centered practice of your dreams. And because I have a team and I have a staff member who's really good at doing PowerPoints, she's created all the PowerPoints and I plan on recording the, the audio this weekend. And once they blend the PowerPoint to the audio, um, I'll send it to you and you can just share it with your peeps. Now, I will tell you, it's gonna require work. If any of you have ever heard me speak from the stage, you know that I ask a lot of questions and I rarely give you the answer to the questions. Why? Because I ask questions that require introspection because the answer is gonna be different for everyone. Not everybody's gonna have the exact same answer. And so the first three modules that I wrote are really focused on mindset, how you get your mind to be where you want to be it would be a perfect time if you're not in practice at all. If you don't have a crafted, well-written, well-understood and memorized purpose statement, I teach you how to do that. You gotta have a purpose statement for your life. You've gotta have one for your practice. And once you own the one with, with your practice, with your team, you must be sharing with everybody. My practice, my practice purpose statement was on every wall in our practice. And people would read it and they go, wow, you guys have like, you guys are serious about teaching people about chiropractic and subluxation correction, et cetera. I said, you're darn right it is. Yes, we do take it serious. So those modules help you get there. Before I ever give you a tip on how to communicate and how to build your practice, you need to be prepared to step into the practice and to do it from that space of loving service, my first technique, which was Jim Parker's primary principle. That's where I learned it, loving service, my first technique. Many people don't know that Sid Williams' first mentor was Jim Parker. And so if you come to Life University or if you see the press behind me, the LP stands for lasting purpose, to give, do, love, serve from abundance with no expectation of return. Different words, same philosophy. Loving service, my first technique. Are you choosing to be a servant? And if you have, what are you serving from? What's your why? Your why is your purpose statement. If you don't have one, it's time to craft one. So hopefully I will get this done uh, by uh, early next week because once I've got the audio files, then one of my staff has to blend the audio files with the PowerPoint presentations. There'll be six different modules. It'll come with, um, with a PDF of a book that I created years ago called the Gold Star Program, Gain Opportunities and, you know, and um, I'll give it to you guys for free. Oh, that's such a huge gift. That's, that's awesome, Bill. We really appreciate you spending your time because I know you're a busy guy. And like I said earlier, you are a gem to our profession. And we thank you so mm. much from the bottom of our hearts to help our profession out in this neat time of need and to change the mindset and wanting people to actually get excited about going into practice instead of being afraid of it. I love it. Yeah. Well, I've, I've been blessed you know, to discover chiropractic when I was 12 and I've been blessed ever, ever since. And every time I've got a roadblock, like my primary pulmonary hypertension, it's because I was not listening. I was not listening and the universe gave me a kick in the butt and said, dude, wake up. Massive. For all of you to wake up. Massive thank you, Jill. My pleasure, Michael and David. Thank you.
Thank you for listening to this episode of Save Your Practice. Share this with other healthcare professionals that you feel need to elevate their practice. Don't forget to give us a review on iTunes and subscribe today. SaveYourPractice.com for amazing content, tips, and tricks for healthcare professionals just like you. Head on over to SaveYourPractice.com now.